Hi, this is Antonio Luich for Padded Cell Podcast, a conversation around mental health. Joining us today on Padded Cell is Jide. Hi, Jide. Hello, Antonio. How are you? Um, great. So please introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm Jide McCauley. Um, I am the Reverend Jide McCauley, uh, popularly known as the happy, holy homosexual. Um, <laughs> but I'm also the founder of House of Rainbow, an organization that started in Nigeria in 2006. And the focus of the organization is to help and support um, um, LGBT and gender non-conforming people on the journey of reconciling their faith and their sexuality. And then for I am Reverend Jide Mokoli. I'm the founder of House of Rainbow. And we started in Nigeria in 2006. Mm. And the aim of the organization is to support lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, intersex, and queer people, gender non-conforming people. Uh, back in 2006, up to today uh, is to help people and support people, assist them on the journey of reconciling their faith and their sexuality. But in doing so, we've discovered so many things and particularly the needs of, of our community, which includes mental health, mm-hmm. includes sexual health, and yeah. it includes many other things as well. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about faith and when you're talking about uh, the LGBT community, I know that faith has been has been used as um, as a means to to put people down, to 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 get people down, and and I know even my experience personally, the the, the it was faith, it was religion that got me feeling completely depressed how do you deal with the whole i i, I think we, we we need to separate the 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 difference between religion and faith uh-huh. and religion has got a lot to do with the religious institution itself right. but our faith also begins with our faith in ourselves our faith in others our faith in an ancestors our faith in spiritual beings our faith in the deity right. and and i think that is one of the areas that we've always tried to get people to understand the differences but of course you know when it comes to religion itself Um, Yeah, religion has been a catalyst uh, to the problems that many people within the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender communities have faced. But religion as well is also what I believe is a stepping stone out of this situation. We can can turn this around. We can reverse the pain and begin to look at the awesomeness of our religious understanding, our religious practices, and the faith that we bring to that understanding is very, very key. And this is the thing that, you know, we're, we're pushing for. Mm-hmm. For people to understand that we have that power, nobody has the monopoly, you know, to the presence of God. Right. You know, we own that unique access to God. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm thinking about. Um, the, the, recently, there was a, a an anti. What What do you call them? The the people who try and change conversion therapy. Conversion therapy person. There was a guy who was like a founder of a conversion therapy. Right, yeah. Who came out as gay. Yeah. And I'm actually thinking about conversion therapy and the and the and the linkages that it has to. Now it's not faith; it's religion, yeah. right? Yeah. So the linkages that it has to religion, and I, I'm just wondering. Where do we stop? I think now people are beginning to understand that it is now time for us to stop. Because for me, um, Ephesians chapter 4 says, you know, uh, for we are no longer children being tossed to and fro and weighed down by iconic craftiness. There is a, a lot of craftiness in religion such that the interpretation and the misinterpretation of holy scriptures Mm -hmm. has been used to demonize and to bash and to you know uh you know hurt people and i think what we're trying to do or, or the better understanding is that those who have used 
the religion as a form of weapon against marginalized communities. And then they themselves, decades, decades later, realize that this is wrong and they turn around. Right. It means that finally we are getting to the truth. You see, um, sometimes people use religion as power to oppress. Yeah. But once they no longer have the power to oppress, then they will turn around and seeking for forgiveness. There is no doubt. For example, the co-founder of an organization that majorly focused on conversion therapy for about two decades mm -hmm. came out as gay yeah. that, and then apologized. It meant that it, this person was doing what they were doing, you know, out of their own anger and hatred for themselves. So it was got nothing to do with curing what, something that does not need curing in the first place. Right. And honestly, Anthony, this is also where we need to begin to look at the issue of mental health. Mm -hmm. When someone goes out to start an organization to say they want to correct something that does not need correcting, don't you think at that point we need to be examining their own mental health? Absolutely. And then you subject other people, you know, to conversion therapy, which would then have an impact on the mental health, on their self-esteem, on whether or not they are, you know, I mean, if you're a same gender loving individual and someone's been telling you for most of your life that you are an abomination, mm. it triggers also many things. Yeah. Depression, anxiety, you know, um, societal tendencies, mm -hmm. you know, the lack of love for yourself and, you know, just, you just want to disappear. And, you know, and then sometimes that pattern of behavior, you know, culminates and transforms into great hate, then you might then get this energy and power that you want to control other people. And then decades later, you, you regret it. Regret it. And so, and you know, and it's not just the mental health of the individual, you know, the, the catalyst then extends to, you know, the family, the workplace, you know, I mean, I, I listened to uh, a parent, you know, yesterday at, at this uh, Copano conference right. that we are at. Yeah. And, you know, when she was talking about, you know, how her son grew up and she knew the son was gay and then when the son died, it affected her mental health. Yeah. It affected it her. Did. She had depression. You know, she couldn't hold on her job. You know, she was then fired from her job right. because she had mental health crisis over the loss of her child. Yeah. So you can imagine for those who identify as lesbian and gay, bisexual and transgender, the impact of mental health, particularly that's in, imposed upon us from religious communities, right. is just unacceptable. Yeah, and I, I will say this: I, I did. I was at that. I was at that session, and and she is actually going to be participating in this podcast at some point uh, in the coming weeks. Um, it, it was really touching. I mean, the, the fact that, and I will, I'll just give a little bit of a background of the space that we are in. There's a group, a, a, a gathering, it's, it's called the Copano. It's by the other foundation. There are about 200 individuals in this space and uh, most of them are LGBTIQ+. And it's, it's, it's just a brilliant space, but you can actually feel the pain that people are carrying. There's the, the mother of a, of a dead son and the son committed suicide. There are people who uh, I've been speaking to who have lost their families because they couldn't deal with the fact that they are LGBTIQ+. For me, it's, it's I don't know, I, I must say I have felt completely overwhelmed by this space, I must say, because, I mean, the, the pain that people are carrying because of their sexuality. Have you had that particular experience? Listen, I mean, I this is my first in Copano, and, of course, I came in yesterday, uh, literally just in the early part of the sessions, and I can feel 
the pain. I can hear the cry of the people. Mm. And I think there are actually more questions than answers. And I think that we also become quite implicit because there are people in the alliance community and that we're building alliances with that still do not understand our struggles, but they're trying to help and they don't know how to help. Yeah. You understand me? And I think that, again, you know, we question every, you know, um, every attempt to support us, right. you know, what is your agenda? What is it that you want to get out of it? Why are you in this space? And I think that the thing about it is that when we are pushed against the wall, um, which we also begin to fight back, you right. know, and then again, we want to own the space. But I always believe that, you know, everyone should be carried along, you know, with whatever understanding they have of these issues and let us build the movement together. Let us build the unity together. Let us support everyone that needs supporting. Right. And I think for me, that is incredibly important. But at the same time, um, we still have a long way to go. And for me, I've concentrated, you know, quite selfishly on the issues and impacts of religion on the LGBTIQ plus communities because uh, as a person of faith myself, as a clergy who is openly gay, Christian, um, Anglican theologian, I still want to understand more about the pain of our communities and how we can actually, you know, begin to address those pains in a holistic way towards healing, uh, healing of the mental health and anxieties, um, healing of the depression and, and the low self-esteem. And I mean, I have some of my own possible solutions. Mm. Um, and I think that we, we've coined this phrase that's very powerful, nothing about us without us. Right. And I've always said to LGBTIQ plus people that, you know, if we are going to take, if we're going to take over, if we're going to take the world back, right. if we're going to take our religion back, then we also need to be part of the movement. Right. We also need to become the insider. We have to be the carrier of our own theology. Right. The theology that is the lesbian theology, yeah. the black lesbian theology, the right. black African lesbian theology. You yeah. see what I mean? Yeah. And so that we can be able to appropriate it and articulate it from our history, from what we understand of our ancestors, you know, even into the, the, how we understand the colonizers right. and, and also begin to say, okay, this is the time for us to begin to destabilize the uh, and decolonize mm -hmm. you know, some heteronormativity. Right. And I think that in that time, we're beginning to see that we begin to build a well of well-being mm -hmm. for our community. Right. And we begin to build that shield of protection, you know, that blank of safety yeah. that will begin to protect protect us. I mean, when you, when you say healing, I actually, I, I relate to that quite a lot because we, we, we do need spaces where we yeah. can heal. Is religion a space for, for us as LGBTQ community to heal? Absolutely. I truly believe that. Right. And, um, you know, for me, I, I have been through my own journey and several uh, life journeys. I mean, we, we started House of Rainbow uh, in, in Lagos, Nigeria in 2006, um, one of the purpose of it was to provide a space for healing mm -hmm. so that people can come together and be nourished. You know, we use a phrase in, our, in my own, own community of House of Rainbow that we need to unwire to rewire. Mm -hmm. And in order to unwire, we need to unlearn the abuse. We need to unlearn those phrases that causes an abomination. Mm -hmm. We need to unlearn those things and begin to take on the phrases that celebrate us. Yeah. For example, we say in our community that G-A-Y means God adores you. And wow. if you turn that into a mantra, every single day you wake up and you say, God adores me. I am gay. God adores you. Mm -hmm. It becomes something that you begin to 
process it in that process of, of healing. The other thing that we also say is that, you know, we're divas. You know, we're okay. divas. We're truly divas. Right. We are divinely inspired and victoriously anointed. Nice. You see, you see. I mean, again, you know, we talk about taking the word back. You know, Psalm twenty-three verse four says, "Even though we walk through the darkest valley, some another one says, through the valley of the shadow of death, yeah. we fear no evil for God is." I say to you know LGBTIQ plus people that whatever we're going through today, we are walking through. It is not our destination. Yeah. You know, when you have a destination in mind, whether you you're riding a horse or you're driving a car, mm. you know, and then you suddenly come into a stormy period or there is flood. You are simply going through. It is not your destination because your destination is where, you know, the, the, the sun is shining and, and there is a lot of comfort for you. And that is exactly the process. And of course, healing is important because we need to take people to a place where they begin to understand that the power is not in the hands of religious institution. The power is not in the hands of the bishop. Right. The power is not in the hands of anybody. The power is in our own hands. Okay. We have the unique key. Every single individual have the unique key into the and, and be able to access the presence of God. Whether that God is your Christian God or the Islamic God or the Judaism God or the Sangoma God or the ancestry God, we have that unique key and ability to access it. And I always say that no one has the monopoly to the presence of God. That's brilliant. And th this is part of the powerful tools and the, and the powerful expressions that we share with people and say to people. And, you know, you can, you can, you know, you can practice your religion in any way, shape or form that you want. Mm -hmm. You know, you can go for your meditative walk in the morning. Mm -hmm. You know, you can take a, a time where you express yourself even in your own nudity nice. and be able to say to yourself, I am wonderfully and fearfully made. Yeah. And I think seriously, for the queer community, we even say for, you can add, I am queerfully made. I'm queerfully made. Queerfully made. Yeah. And honestly, in this moment, we begin to even address you know, uh, the different stages of our mental health. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think it's also important to also, you know, look for those communities and we begin to have peer support where we talk about our own issues. You know, I, I'm always mindful that people always look at mental health has something that you have to be sectioned yeah. under the Mental Health Act, right. and then you're locked up in some, you know, high security building. Yeah. No. Or in a padded cell. Or, or in like, a padded yeah, cell, indeed. Yeah, exactly. You know, where you know because you're going to hurt yourself. Right. You know, mental health can be as simple as you not being able to do things for yourself, or even have to think things through. And there's a lot of anxiety. Right. And it really doesn't matter, even if you've gone to your doctor and they put you on antidepressant or or onto other medications for high blood pressure, it's okay. I think that what we're saying is that we're all going to experience mental health one way or the other is how we manage these conditions right. that matters. Yeah, so we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the ways in which Reverend Jede deals with mental health. Welcome back to Padded Cell. I'm here with Jede sitting outside looking at the hills. This is actually such a serene situation, isn't it? It's yeah. gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And as we said earlier, uh, we want to talk about the solutions, the possible solutions that you have mm -hmm. for 
persons who are, oh, he's taking a picture now. <laughs> the possible solutions that you have for people who are dealing with mental health issues, for yourself, yeah. if you've dealt with mental I mean, health I, issues. I think with mental health and dealing with mental health is actually to avoid the isolation Mm. you know, and the shame and the stigma associated with it. Right. I mean, I think the, the first step is to be honest mm. because when in that honesty, we ask for help and that when we ask for help in honesty, the healing begins mm -hmm. and that removes any pattern of shame right. or stigma because mental health is highly stigmatized, it is. particularly in the African community Absolutely. because they say, they will say, look at that person with a deranged mind, the mental health and things like that. But once we can, we can get over that first step and then we find someone who is uh, authentic to support us in a holistic way, then we can have that conversation, begin to unravel what are the triggers for the, the mental health situation? What are the triggers for the anxiety? And then we begin to unra unravel those things. And I think that, you know, a good time to yourself is very important. Right. I would say to people that, you know, self-care is not selfishness because we give a lot to other people. We give our mind, we give our brains, you know, our entire soul, our entire soul to yeah. other people. If you want a time for yourself, it is okay. Take it. Even if you are in a relationship, there are times you need time out. Yeah. You know, even if you have to go away, you know, to be by yourself. And also, I would recommend that, you know, people take meditative walk, mm -hmm. you know, find a solitary place, you know, even in scriptures, in the Christian scriptures, for example, the Bible says that, you know, Jesus Christ went away in a solitary space mm -hmm. so that he can be by himself. No disturbance at all. Find solitary times for yourself. I mean, if you can't do it on a daily basis, which is too much, do it on a weekly basis, do it on a regular basis. And I think the other thing that I know that people do is also do yoga or exercise, mm -hmm. you know, you know, burn some of those, you know, um, energies and that causes anxiety, you know, mm -hmm. uh, give them a go for walks. I, I'm not a great person. I, I don't go to the gym on a regular basis, but uh -huh. I do know that I do like to walk. I do like to go out for fresh walks. You know, um, if you live by the seaside or, you know, waterside, go, go for beach. walks, you yeah. know. Um, I, I prefer the cool evening, uh, early evenings when the weather is cool mm -hmm. to go for a walk. Uh, go for walks. I mean, the other thing I like, and I'm sure people that know me might, might know this, is that I do like to express myself with nudity. And if you mm -hmm. can find a personal space mm -hmm. that you can do so, do so because sometimes when you shed your clothes, it's just like you're shedding your anxiety mm -hmm. and you're feeling free right. with yourself. And that is so important. And, and I think that the other thing is that if you are a person of faith, find good books on meditation. Find good audio recordings that you can play in the background, you know, maybe with your headset on, yeah. you can just listen to them. In isolation. In isolation. isolation. Yeah. In meditation, right. you know, and then find a place you can be so calm with yourself. These are very important things. The other thing I also recommend is that, you know, find someone that is professional. Um, it could be a pastor who understands meditation mm -hmm. where you can, I mean, I, I spend a lot of time with my spiritual directors. I, I see my spiritual directors directors and mentors, you know, around about four to six weeks mm -hmm. per intervals. And what we do is that we sit down together and I will talk to them about my anxieties, my struggles, just that general thing, you're taking it off your heart. So for those of us that are professionals or have very heavy duty work, you know, the question is who takes care of the ministers? Who, who takes you know, care of Yeah. You? 
Always take care of you. So when you meet with someone who is uh, your regular spiritual director or even a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a counselor, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to sit in sessions with them where you will pour out everything that's on your heart. Right. No, there is power in talking. Right. You know, you speak those things out of your system. After one hour you know, session, you will feel good about yourself, right. to be honest. Uh -huh. Because because when you lock up those things in your mind, you have not told anybody, mm -hmm. it then becomes, um, it becomes painful. You know, it's just like, by the time you're going to tell someone, it will, you will have busted. You know, you're keeping everything in, it, it, you could then bust. So I think that, you know, using the services of uh, uh, counselors, mentors, and, you know, spiritual directors, a psychiatrists, a psychologists, is very, very important yeah. in a way that will, you know, uh, look after our health. Yeah, I mean, as a minister yourself, as a minister, you, you do listen to a lot of people's pain. You yeah. listen, to, you take in a lot, you... I, I call myself a sponge sometimes. Mm -hmm, I just, mm -hmm. I listen and I just take it in and I take it in and I give people hugs and I, I'm like, you know, that connection with yeah. people. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with your, having taken all that pain and... Yeah. It's, it's, it's not just, just listening to people. It's also, you know, social media is also yeah, no, impacted goodness, on it. Yes. You know, somebody will send you uh, a text message or uh, something that has happened in their life or even a video, the shock of it. But mm. then how do you then get it out of your system? I mean, for me, I mean, I have spiritual director mm. that I go to. Right. Um, you know, there was one time when I was um, doing the recording of uh, Too Gay for God, a documentary I did for the BBC. Now you, you should know, see it. It's, a, it's yeah. online, right? Yeah, it's actually online. Yeah. I mean, Too Gay for God is a documentary uh, asking the question of why I cannot marry my partner in the church because I'm a gay uh, clergy. And when I did that documentary, um, it took me back into my own childhood history and trauma that I literally had to put myself into session with a psychotherapist mm -hmm. because the pain was too deep. I needed, you know, a professional to help me mm -hmm. through that journey. I, I put myself through six sessions, uh, you know, so I went on a regular visit to the psychotherapist because I was then feeling anxiety, suicidal, I was angry, but going to a psychologist actually helped me to process it, you know, for the good. So, I mean, our past is important, but we shouldn't allow it to influence our presence and our future. Right. But, you know, it, it is there. We can't erase it, can't but, erase you know, it. but we need to find a way that we can manage it and then we can use it for the benefit of the future. Absolutely. I, this is this is interesting. It, it's it's okay to speak to people. It's okay to reach out to not just your friend or your family or your loved ones, but you can also reach out to a psychologist. And there's so many around. There are so many, and I think that within the uh, African communities, I think that we've always used the uncles and aunties in our clans and tribes. But when it comes to the LGBTIQ plus communities, these uncles and aunts do not hold a place of trust mm -hmm. for us because we do not know the position right. on human sexuality. So we bottle up these things. So we need to begin to look at how we create our own extended family. I have a family of choice. My own DNA family are not part of my daily life. I have several family of choices that I have. You know, I have a mother who is not my, my mother by birth. Mm -hmm. I have many mothers yeah. and I have many children as well. 
In fact, you know, my community call me Mama, Mama, yes, Mama yes. Jide, Mama Jide. It's simply because I identified with the characteristics of a mother that cares. Yeah. And also, I, I have a lot of challenge as well, which is part of the things that has triggered my own mental health. You know, the challenge with my own biological father. We we have a toxic relationship up to this day. And, but when I look at my, my earthly father, it doesn't compare with my heavenly father. So even when I pray to my heavenly father, I always call on my heavenly mother because I know that there is a nurture, you know, that I can get from my mother, my heavenly mother. And honestly, the reason I was able to connect with my heavenly mother is because my earthly mother was just super special uh, in a way. My, my mother was strict. She's late now. She passed away six years ago. May her soul rest in peace. But she was strict and at the same time loving. She taught me how to dance. She taught me how to cook. She taught me how to care. In fact, when I came out to her as gay, she didn't look surprised. She just said, why didn't you tell me? Oh, it's a see that this is something you run to your Nigerian mother to tell them <laughs> that mother, I'm gay and everything will be super cool. Oh, but God. as you know, for many of us, it's also a very different, you know, uh, story with our fathers, yeah. you know, who are so patriotic, toxic masculinity, yeah. you know, you, you got to man up and be a macho. No, no, those things are very painful for you to hear. And of course, you know, um, I felt that, you know, having a spiritual director and a mentor or someone that you trust is very important. Also, you know, try to manage the circle of friends that you have. You know, yeah. sometimes your friends can be the ones that will trigger problems for you mentally, mm -hmm. uh, emotionally. And, you know, let's try and avoid all of those things. But I, I'll go back to the phrase I said earlier on that we have a lot of power in our own hands yeah. that we're not aware of. We have power in our own hands. That's profound. And I mean, I'm just going to go back to the whole family thing, because for many of us as LGBTQ plus communities, um, families have, I mean, our, our biological families have not usually often been the, the pillar of support. Mm. People come out and they're thrown out of their houses. People come out and families just that just treat them really badly. I mean, your experience with your mother is absolutely brilliant. And there have been some experiences with, with families that have been not so good. And I like what you said, that we ha we do have a chosen family. We can create our own families, not, not just friends, but people that we can rely on for mm. anything back and forth on, on, on mental health, on, uh, you know, things that you're going through in a day-to-day -day basis. I, I, I think, um, for, for us as a community, it's, it's, it's important for us to not just see our biological families as the ones that we will rely on, but also see our friends and loved ones as people who exist in, in our lives. Mm -hmm. that's, that's great. And I think you're very right. And I think the important thing is that, you know, not all families are extremely homophobic yeah. or transphobic, but I think that, again, you know, it's a two-way thing. If we are able to uh, educate and nurture our own family into understanding. I have seen families that have come together and, you know, I mean... There was a young man from Ghana who we, we were having this workshop titled We Are Family. And, you know, 90% of the people in the workshop were in tears and crying about how their family had disowned them and then called them an abomination. But this one person just couldn't understand what people were going through and said that, well, I've never had an issue with my own family. They're from Ghana. In fact, my first boyfriend was introduced to me by my mother. Oh, wow. 
You know, this is in Ghana. This, this was in Ghana. Oh, wow. And, and I think that, you know, the, the thing is that some parents are advanced. You know, they have that knowledge. They maintain that knowledge. One thing I always say for us in Africa is that we know about human sexuality. Right. But because of popular culture, because of religion, especially the extreme conservative traditionalism and, and evangelicals, you know, we push aside the culture of human sexuality. And then we want to focus on one man, one woman, which is an import, you know, from colonialism and the missionaries. Right. Because African culture, if you think about it, is actually poly amorous and, and polygamous in its nature. Mm -hmm. But it's okay. If you want to marry one person, it's okay. Whether it's between a man and a woman or between a woman and a woman and uh, a man and a man or a gender non-conforming right. to a gender non-conforming, it really doesn't matter. You know, I think the important thing is that we create a relationship that is loving, that is um, a, a refuge of, of, of love and, and, and joy as opposed to, you know, this kind of haphazard situation that society is pushing us into. And for me, family comes in different forms and shapes. There are times where, you know, you're raised by your auntie and your grandmother, you know, or, you know, you're raised by your uncles and your grandparents. And there are so many forms of family. So many yeah. Forms of family. Now, um, I'm just going to end this. And this is something that I did with the first episode. And uh, how I end it is I ask you to tell me something that I do not know about you and uh, one thing that you think people should take out of this episode. So what do I not know about you? Well, I think probably what you don't know about me is that I, I, do, I have a child that is 27 years old oh. uh, out of a heterosexual relationship. And I was, I was, I was in the relationship for seven years and I was married for three years legally married to a woman for three years. So I, I did have a time that I was living a heterosexual life. That is yeah. new. <laughs> wow, okay, yeah. You did <laughs> mention something about getting married to a woman uh, sometime back. Uh, and for I the child. Know, I did not know about the child. Yeah, but I think what I want people to get out of this mm. um, and podcast is that mental health is real. And we can allow it to fester into the harmful injury and cause us to be demoralized. Or we can take control because there is power in our own hands. Take control. And the first step is to be honest, to talk to somebody. It could be a friend or a professional. But get the help as soon as possible because mental health is real. But it's also manageable. It's manageable. It's it's real, and just reach out to someone and and speak to someone. I'm going to put out uh, information about where you can reach out to people and 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 how you can you can get resources on on, on mental health issues. But thank you so much, Jidet. Thank, thank you. you. This has been a brilliant conversation in a brilliant space, and I can't wait to see you again. Thank you. All right. Thanks. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help please reach out. Visit the South African Depression and Anxiety Group website or the SA Federation for Mental Health, where you will find comprehensive mental health information and resources to help you, a family member, or a loved one. Also follow the podcast on Twitter at paddedcell underscore pod or Facebook paddedcellpodcast or Instagram at paddedcell.pod for more information. <laughs>